3: Hello, I'm Scott
0: Sachman. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and you're listening to the Tiger Woods versus All Palmer Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast.
3: Nah, I don't like it. I don't like that one, Evan. <laughs> you I, never I, do. When's the last time I liked it? When's the last time I liked it? If you don't <laughs> you're a, you're know a hard, hard audience
0: them. of one. Yeah,
3: I mean, you know, we ask Evan to come up with a catchy thing at the top. It's like, a- a- Tiger Woods versus Arnold Palmer. People are like, what, what is this about? I-, I don't know. But anyway, special guest, Kurt Bodenhausen joins us because Kurt put his brilliance to work uh, last week talking about the highest-earning athletes of all time. And since you know the methodology and-, and all of it, we'll let you go, Kurt. But I'll spoil the fun, and I don't think it's a surprise that sitting atop the list is MJ Michael Jordan. But the why is sort of the interesting part in all this. Not the who. I mean, the who's are interesting, but the why, and particularly as it moves forward and pertains to today's athletes, uh, why don't you explain the who at the top and the why?
1: Sure. Eben, I thought it was a good tease. I, li- I like it. Thank you, Kurt.
3: Kurt, thanks for joining us. I'm sorry you don't have any more time. <laughs> Nobody. I had Mike McCann last week. Mike McCann, who I think Eben respects like almost maybe more than anybody in the world. We, we know we love McCann. Told him that he, like me, despises the underscore in his Twitter handle. So score oh, one for that, side was, that was cut. I, yeah.
1: I, I am anti underscore. Oh. all
3: right. You can stay now, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> despite, the, <laughs> despite liking the top of the show, you can stay. Go ahead. Give me the why.
1: Very good. Uh, I, I, think, I think what's interesting about this is the diverse ways that people show up on the list. Top 25 of all time. Uh, you've got eight sports, nine different countries. You've got people who started in the '60s. You've got people who started in the 2000s, uh, and, and so what we've seen is a change over time. On top, Michael Jordan, uh, inflation adjusted, 2.6 billion dollars. Uh, but but MJ, unlike today's basketball stars who make 40 45 million dollars in salary, MJ only made more than four million dollars two times during his career. Uh, from the Bulls or Washington, which is unbelievable. It's like a fourteenth
0: man in the NBA now. Right? It is unbelievable. <laughs> uh,
1: so with, with Jordan, obviously, the name of the game was off the court. Uh, you know, transformed endorsements uh, with, behind David Falk, um, who was steering his uh, career off the court and on the court, and with Nike turned him into a global superstar. But what is incredible with MJ is. He's made dramatically more, uh, since he retired than when he was playing because the Jordan brand has been, you know, a phenomenon, uh, s- since he left the NBA, did almost 5 billion in revenue for Nike in their most recent fiscal year. And by our count, he's making about $150 million a year in royalties from Nike. So unbelievable for MJ.
0: The the, the number two on the list is is Tiger Woods. I think that will not surprise a lot of people. Three and four, I think, would surprise people. Number three, Arnold Palmer. Tiger is at at 2.1 billion. Arnold Palmer is three at 1.5 billion. Jack Nicholas is four at 1.38 billion. Give us this. What is it about golf uh, through these decades, obviously, since Tiger is 40 years after Arnold Palmer? What is, is it about golf that presents these guys both during their career and then after their career with earning potential that, that maybe people in other sports don't have?
3: Yeah. And, and Kurt, don't tell me you know, like with MJ, like it's the royalties from Jordan brand. Don't tell me it's like Pennzoil, you know, motor oil in the tractor working for Arnold Palmer. Like I, rem- I remember those <laughs> commercials. Don't don't tell me it's Pennzoil making that money.
1: <laughs> no, it is definitely not Pennzoil with Arnold. But but to Evan's point, I mean golfers, uh, they have different opportunities because that career is so long. Uh, if you think back to Arnold Palmer first started winning in the fifties, the guy was still making thirty million dollars a year when he died in twenty sixteen. Uh, you, you have an inc- your, your lifespan as a pitchman is e- uh, eternal. Uh, and there's so many different avenues as a golfer, you can also go down in terms of making money. Palmer made a ton of money, uh, certainly through his partnership with Arizona Beverages, uh, the, the, you know, Arnold Palmer that is ordered in every country club uh, around the country or, or the John Daly, if you wanted a little extra something in it. Um, and, and it is a $200 million uh, retail business uh, for Arizona beverages, and, and now his estate continues to, to see that money. Uh, so, so the lifespan with a golfer, if you compare that to, say, the NFL, with the average career is three or four years, and your post-NFL career, unless you're a glamour boy quarterback, is probably not going to be wildly lucrative. But for golfers, the, those people at the top of the food chain, whether it's Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Phil Nicholson also makes the top 25. Phil's going to have an incredible... Uh, you know, once his full time playing is done, he's going to still continue to rake in huge money in terms of endorsements. And then these guys also make big money in terms of golf course design. And uh, Jack's certainly the prototype for that. It's built 425 golf courses around the world. Uh, and all of those carry lucrative design fees. Uh, so, so that's what really separates the golfers. And, and again, this is inflation adjusted. So, so Palmer and Nicholas on, on a nominal. Uh, top 25 uh, would not be up there, but since they were making, you know, substantial money in the 60s, in the 70s, uh, they make the cut. But their biggest paydays, again, were after they were done being competitive golfers <laughs> through the 80s, um, through the 90s uh, and into the 2000s. Uh, these guys were making a ton of money in endorsements to Scott's point, you know, whether it was Pennzoil. I mean, Arnold Arno worked with 50 something brands. Hurts, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, he pitched everything.
3: I was chatting with Kurt Bodenhausen, who was responsible for the highest earning athletes list last week here at Sportico. Kurt, so look forward for me if who is not on the list now for top ten, top twenty, whatever it may be. That because of the longevity of careers, because of I think the paradigm has changed that athletes can be so much more than just an athlete these days and. Bring me into sort of equity investment. How is that going to play into it? How is that going to work? But if you could look forward, who is not on the list that you would project when you do this list down the road, that person to creep in and then creep up?
1: Yeah, to your point, I mean, uh, athletes are taking a different approach now in how they do their endorsement deals. Uh, You you look at what happened with body armor sale this week. I mean, these guys are all uh, after that equity stake because the cash has gotten so big in team sports. Where we talk about MJ only making more than four million dollars a year twice. Now you look at the NBA stars, uh, you know, and those are the guys I would point to first. I mean, a guy like Steph Curry is, you know, inevitably probably by next year would be on this list. The guy's gonna be making fifty million dollars a year in salary, has a ton of endorsements, super lucrative Under armored deal. Uh, I would point to those NBA guys because one, the salaries have gotten so big in the in the NBA. Uh, Where where once you get through that, you know, that initial tier, you can be making 50 million dollars a year. Uh, And then the off the courts opportunities are incredible, Uh, partly because they turn Nike, largely Nike and to a lesser degree, Adidas and um, Under Armour turn these guys into global superstars. And and so that opens up the opportunities with uh, other brands. And then the NBA guys are, they're the cool guys in class right now. So everybody wants to be involved with them. So, uh, the, the opportunities for these guys, whether it's getting in early, um, in, in private equity or, or venture deals, uh, the, the NBA guys have opportunities, uh, that just don't exist in, in the other sports leagues. So I, I think if you look at the top of the food chain in the NBA, uh, the guys like James Harden, um, Steph Curry, those, those guys, you know, are, are, it's inevitable that they end up in this top 25.
0: I I think Kurt, I ask you this every time you put out a new valuations list as well. And I don't know exactly your process. I don't know if you go in with any preconceived notions, but in doing this list, were there things that you thought you would find by the end of it that were different? What what was the biggest surprise in looking at, at the, at the highest paid athletes of all time that maybe you thought would turn out different before you started?
1: I, I think uh, Palmer and Nicholas being up at three and four uh, definitely surprised me. I realized they they benefit from from the inflation standpoint, uh, but but those two being three and four were, were definitely um, what jumped out at me. And I, I guess if you think about it, what what surprised me also was you know we, we think of the NFL being as you know the king of the jungle and and, and the biggest sports league. On, um, in the world from a, from a revenue standpoint, I know premier league people get upset when we talk about the NFL, uh, being the biggest sports league, uh, but strictly from a revenue standpoint, nobody can touch the NFL and to only have one NFL player. And it's number 24, uh, Peyton Manning. Um, that would certainly surprise me. Now, Tom Brady's knocking on the door and he's getting involved in so much, uh, you know, it, it's inevitable that Tom Brady, ends up in there because uh, his opportunities off the field are going to be uh, limitless for a long period of time. So that would probably be the biggest surprise to me, Um, just the one NFL guy.
0: I was kind of surprised that there was not more soccer given that soccer has been such a global sport and such a global phenomenon for so long. I kind of expected this list to be full of soccer players from kind of around the decades, the older ones just having, as you've been talking about more opportunity post playing career to make money. Um, Again, I would have thought that soccer would have been higher on the list overall.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about uh, the, the business of soccer has transformed a lot Or, or, you know, there, there's just, they're playing catch up to some degree in terms of maximizing uh, their earnings potential. Uh, so much power has stayed with the agents and they seem to be the ones who have been capitalizing on how much money is in global football. Um, and but we were seeing players now you know, led by Ronaldo, Messi and Neymar um, at the top of the list in terms of maximizing their opportunity. Um, and so that I think is part of it. I think you will see more. Uh, soccer players uh make the cut as well going forward just because you know there's so much money uh in the sport and at the top of the the heap when uh, you're talking about those elite global superstars.
3: All right, Kurt, if I'm looking at this from a gender breakdown, what is glaringly missing here? Women. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh
1: no, you know, I guess probably not a surprise. You know, uh we we've we've seen the fights uh off the field, off the court, uh, what's been going on here and we've looked at the highest paid athletes. Uh, it's lacking uh, severely. Only two women made the 100 highest-paid athletes uh, for 2021 in Sportico's list. Uh, this list, the only the closest is Serena Williams, who, who just uh, cracked the top 40, uh, but but a long way from from number 25 uh, th- that we published. And then once you get past Serena, you got Serena, Maria Sharapova. You know, there's probably not another woman in the top 200 or 250. Uh, once you get past those two. Uh,
3: is there a woman out there you would project to be the front runner to join the group?
1: Uh, Naomi Osaka is, Naomi, is, is okay. hands down the, the favorite. Uh, you still have to look at tennis. You know, it's it's tennis, tennis, tennis. W- we just haven't seen uh, breakthroughs in terms of earnings opportunities in those other sports. Uh, so, so Osaka w- would be number one, and and I would point to any um, rising tennis superstar, Coco Gauff. You know, wh- whoever you want to look at as, as that next breakthrough superstar in tennis, um, as, as potentials. Uh, but Osaka, you know, depending how her career plays out, you know, if she can have a 10, you know, another 10 year run, um, you know, her, she, she certainly has tremendous opportunity. And, and, you know, we, we've written about it a lot. Uh, she, 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 she checks all the boxes in terms of being a, uh, corporate darling.
0: There's obvious, if you look at the list, some, some benefits of being a professional team owner, uh, MJ again, and number one, David Beckham creeps into that list. He owns a significant chunk of the MLS team down in Miami, I, I'm curious about Magic Johnson, who is is not on the list, um, but someone who I think of as having a very successful post-playing career in his uh, investment in theaters and also a fairly prominent, albeit small, investor in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I don't know if uh, how much you dove into him or if you know off the top of your head where he ranked on the list, but he was one that also surprised me as someone who I thought might be on this list, given his business prowess and, and obviously didn't make it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this—that's that largely comes down to a methodology thing here. We're, we're trying to measure um, career earnings from their celebrity. Uh, and so Magic, uh, you know, this is not a net worth calculation, and Magic's been certainly one of the most successful businessmen uh, in his post-playing career. Uh, but in terms of uh, earnings, whether it's sponsorships and, you know, although his Laker deal was revolutionary at the time, you know, is, is, is a pittance compared to what, 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 uh, 25 year, $25 million deal, uh, you know, which blew people's minds back when he did it, um, is now would be, you know, a rounding error of, of on teams, but Sheets, uh, I I think, you know, if we were looking at net worth calculation, Magic Johnson's there. So had a lot of success with uh, selling theaters and investing in Starbucks, but we're not necessarily capturing uh, investment income uh, unless it's directly tied to a sponsorship deal. Um, So so LeBron got a piece of Beats. So when that was sold to Apple, we consider that a sponsorship, Uh, you know, a a straightforward investment that where you're not out there pitching the product. Uh, and, and you're not doing commercials, uh, we, tr- we consider that really an investment income. And so a lot of Magic stuff, what he's done in his post-playing career, even though Magic's name was on, uh, um, it, on the theaters and, and some other things, we, don't, we didn't look at it as kind of a traditional uh, endorsement deal and, and give him credit for that when, when he sold those businesses.
3: Yeah, speaking of Magic Johnson, 30 years ago, Sunday, by the way, was the announcement of his status as HIV positive. 30 years ago and terry lyons uh, you know friend of the program who was at the nba at the time uh founder of the digital sports desk he sort of wrote uh, a a look back at 30 years from being on there that day Uh, i remember i was at syracuse university and we had a class where you had to put on a newscast every day you'd show up in the morning and then at five o'clock or whatever it was you'd actually put on a half hour newscast and that was my lucky day to be producer (laughs) <laughs> you know, we started it, we had the rundown going and then all of a sudden magic comes on and it was, you know, all heck broke loose and you get to the health center, you get to the carrier dome, you get me Jim Beheim, And um, so, I mean, I, I remember it both just as a sports fan, as a business fan, and also as a, as a student of journalism because I was like right there, there in the middle of it. And, by the way, you know, Kurt, we were going to dump you. Um, but since you've been with us this long, why don't we just finish it out? And what do you say? i mean, we're going to keep him around because it, you know, it, it, he has some great stuff. We're talking about athletes and endorsements. Uh, Aaron Rodgers lost an endorsement, uh, recently, uh, over his, over the COVID situation. And, um, you know, Kurt, you, you talked about NFL players and sort of the game itself as big as can be. You've got Tom Brady, you've got Aaron Rodgers, um, but state farm, you, they they utilized well. They had a big they had a big promotion plan with with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers for this past weekend. Obviously, two of their big pitchmen. Aaron virtually disappeared, like he was almost nowhere to be found uh, in in any of the broadcasts. Are are companies approaching any of this differently? When you talk about megastar athletes, I mean they've got to be cautious uh, about you know what one person can do. I mean, the, sync a campaign, sync a product. Uh, what are you hearing from the folks who actually dole the money out?
1: Yeah, that, that Aaron Rodgers State Farm, I mean, it's one of the longest running uh, endorsement partnerships in the NFL. And it is also one of the most lucrative uh, individual endorsement partnerships in the entire NFL. Uh, multi-million dollars a year uh, Aaron Rodgers is getting for that, which is a gigantic number uh, for an NFL player. You just don't you don't see that uh, typically with an NFL players. Uh, I, I, listen, I mean, everything that has been going on over the last 18 months. I mean, it used to be that, you know, those morals clauses, the, you know, all the different things that, uh, were in there when you did an endorsement deal, uh, it was just kind of boilerplate language and it was, all right, we'll sign off on this. A- and suddenly we're having, you know, another one of those reckonings right now where it's like, whoa, you know, bet- between what's happened in social media and pandemic related responses and and how people have. Uh, approach different things and and suddenly, you know, they're being canceled and and suddenly this, you know, it gets wiped out. Uh, I mean, everything that they had planned for this weekend, it's gone. Yeah.
3: And beyond, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was, he was an NFL darling, like people, and now, and, and based, I think, on his response on the Pat McAfee show, he has sort of placed himself right in the middle of the culture war, perhaps becoming a polarizing figure And I I do. Does the company even have an option to pretty much yank him from the airwaves, except maybe in Green Bay, where no matter what he does, throwing touchdowns is the most important thing. But he sort of placed himself in the crosshairs. And, you know, Aaron's a cow guy, you know, marches to his own drummer. And uh, it doesn't seem as if the State Farm ad was first and foremost in his mind when he decided to tell his side of the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, he—I I don't think they can use them. I mean, it's too—it's too, it's too polarized. It's too polarizing a topic uh, to have them out there on the airwaves and, and to have him constantly recycled and to be in the news cycle with people picking sides. I mean, that's you know, State Farm doesn't want to alienate half of their audience. I mean, so they want—they want people walking, you know, the middle of the road, not taking a side, and so that they can appeal to everybody. Uh, and by Aaron Rodgers um you know planting the flag uh how he did it, it's it's brutal uh for, from somebody that is trying to reach as large an audience as state farm is trying to do where they're literally trying to reach everybody across the country uh and not alienate people and, and the way things are set up right now it's too it's taboo you can't use them
0: i think the the thing we're kind of talking around right now is is a question of of how long this lasts right i mean how how long do people see or hear the name Aaron Rodgers and think what they're going to think about him regarding his vaccine status. And that is a question that I, I, if you have the answer to, I would love to hear it, Kurt. I I, I am very curious to see, and I think this applies to Kyrie Irving a bit as well, and maybe some other of, of the high profile athletes who are not getting vaccinated. Everybody has strong thoughts on this right now. There are people that hate Aaron Rodgers right now and think he's an idiot. There's a portion of the population that thinks he's a hero for giving voice to something that a lot of them are feeling. I just don't know if in... Two weeks in six months, or in two years, if the name Aaron Rodgers kind of immediately conjures up those differing of opinions for people, or if you know everybody kind of moves past this idea and it becomes kind of a, a weird oddity in his past um, that th- that we think back on in the future and not a kind of a central core tenet of what people associate when they hear his name or see his face.
3: Yeah, before you jump in, Kurt, I'm gonna let me answer, uh, Evan. I don't think it's gonna be up to him. I-, I thought of thinking that in that mass audience you have now. Sides are, are being chosen. He, he is now a symbol of something. So I, I'm not sure the audience itself will allow Aaron to define that. What will it be? How long will it last? Because it's, it's out there. You know the, Now he is the subject of debate. He is the subject of, see, he's on our side. Or, no, he's against you. Uh, and that is being defined for him. Uh, I'm not sure he has the ability now. Other than get on the field and throw lots and lots of touchdown passes... And have the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl as they're looking to sell more worthless stock certificates so that they can improve their stadium. Sorry, was that an editorial right there, Kurt? I like you. I like your little smile. Uh, they look pretty on the wall, though. Um, I'm not sure he has the ability to define narrative anymore.
0: One other thing I'll say on this, and, and we touched on it last week with with Michael McCann. This I, I feel like is going to start to snowball a bit for the for the NFL. Uh, not only kind of the the controversy around Rodgers himself, also the kind of the the rules that it appears the covid protocols that that he has been violating over the course of the season that, that maybe some other high-profile athletes are also in in the nfl have also been violating it sounds like there are some people around the nfl that are a little upset that that maybe the league hasn't been enforcing its protocols as much as 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 it might have in other situations given that the league knew that that aaron was unvaccinated um i do think that we are kind of only at the beginning of the way in which this has ramifications across the nfl as Kurt,
3: you were so good and so tantalizing that I think we're going to dump like the final two topics. Just so you know, Evan and I were going to also talk about MLS because uh, we got a hold of sort of what the private equity investment guidelines are for MLS. You know, we will have to save that for another day. We're going to talk a little Bob Sarver and the Phoenix Suns and the investigation. But you were so darn engaging that you know we went long. But I, I love these conversations when we can bring on you, McCann. Not just because both of you agree with me on the underscore, uh, and and really, it's annoyance in in uh, all things Twitter. Uh, what else are you working on though? What what do we got coming? What can people expect?
1: Uh, we're we're cranking through the NBA right now, uh, so I hope you welcome me back for another time. Uh, and I think just to f- close the loop on Rogers, uh, I, I think we we've seen athletes come back. I mean, you know, point to Tiger Woods who was at the top of the charts when you talked about athlete endorsements. People thought, oh. Companies will never accept Tiger Woods. again okay. I don't think, ti- I don't think Aaron Rodgers has another 10 years of playing, but people have short memories. If you come back, you start winning. Uh, and so I think a lot of it's dependent on how long. If are we still in a pandemic in 12 months and then po- Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a polarizing figure. If we've moved on, Aaron Rodgers is winning. I think he's back in everybody's good graces.
3: All right, that voice is Kurt Badenhausen uh, on the Twitter. K. Bodenhausen. I'm just say spelled just like it sounds. You can't miss it. The other guy is, uh have been Novi Williams, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She likes it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. Anatomy of an ad.